studio, we have uh, Professor Fontroy. Thank you for uh, joining us from home. Uh, the first question we always ask is, how is how's your family? Making sure your family's okay. And how are you guys surviving this in, in incredible epidemic that we're faced with? Yeah, so well, thank you for asking. So like everybody, you know, we, we are struggling a bit because we're trying to juggle a bunch of things that we don't ordinarily juggle. You know, in the morning, you drop your kids off at school and you move on with the rest of your day. Well, that doesn't happen now. And so uh, let's jump right in. Let's jump right into it. Um, look, this is a situation which everyone's feeling pain. Uh, there have been many that say uh, some of this or a lot of this could have been avoided. Some people say, well, look, you know, a pandemic is a pandemic and no one could have ever guessed that we would have a coronavirus that would affect the world and the entire world is dealing with an issue. Well, I mean, it seems as though they've taken some steps. You know, now they're saying, hey, we're going to need more, uh, more stimulus with like another two billion that's going to hit. Um, some say that when it comes to the economy and the effect on the economy, there's been more communication, there's been more strategy, there's been more policy discussions than has of the public health epidemic that people were saying was going to take place early on. Are you, are you seeing that? Yeah. So, so it's interesting. Thank you for mentioning that because we're, we're about to drop, what, a total of four, Ten, five, six trillion in, well, into the economy before this is trillion. all done? Ten trillion. Ten trillion. I mean, we're at eight so, and then there'll be another two. So, so let's, let's, let's go through that a little bit. Let's say that had the president acted immediately, this would be a $2 trillion crisis, okay? Or less, all right? And now we're looking at 10 trillion, millions of people losing their jobs. You know, I work in higher education and I'm here to tell you, there are gonna be some colleges and universities around the country that will not be able to reopen in the fall because there are going to be so many students who decide that they can't come back because one or both of their parents have lost their job and can't afford to pay the tuition. So this is going to be a disaster that's going to be slow moving and, and played out over the course of months and perhaps even years. You'll recall how, how the 2008 uh, financial crisis impacted the country, and this is going to be way worse than that. And so it's just right. an example of how poor planning has broad-ranging implications. What is your thoughts on how uh, this current administration has handled this crisis since it began and how they're handling it now? Right. So it is true that uh, this administration did not create coronavirus. And I just, you know, I think to be fair, we have to acknowledge that this is something that, that sort of popped up half a world away. Uh, but that's where it all stops because the administration has been incompetent in terms of its response. And we understand that public policy leaders, elected officials, in some respects, are trying to prepare for things that they can't necessarily see. And the hope is that whatever preparations you take can help prepare you as well as possible to deal with whatever it is that, uh, that an administration has to deal with. And, and hopefully what you have done as a leader is learn the lessons that took place in previous administrations. So in, during the Obama administration, for example, they started this pandemic task force within the, the National Security Council. And President George W. Bush had done some things to prepare for worldwide coronavirus. 
And in fact, he said at one point, you know, if, if you wait until it comes to you, it's too late. And so what do we see with this administration? They've sort of undone many of the things that have been done previously. And so while, in my opinion, they're not responsible for coronavirus, they are responsible for the U.S. response to it. And to date, it has been a series of uh, sort of downplaying it, acting like it's not a big deal. The president got up and said at one point, well, they're 15 or so here in the United States, but they're doing very well and they'll that'll all go away and acting like things weren't what the experts were saying. We just saw a report earlier that the, the uh, uh, National Security Council and the Secretary of Health and Human Services and also some people within the White House were circulating memos as far back as two months ago saying that this is coming and we need to take real steps. And even now, the president has been really slow to acknowledge what is really going on. You know, there are there's a nearly 4% death rate with coronavirus, which is much more than the typical flu uh, death rate. And if the projections are close to being accurate, Kwame is still looking like another 50, 60, 80, 100,000 people are likely to die from this. You know, I mean. Well, they said the number was uh, 200. Do you do you believe that the possibility of 200,000 people could Americans or U.S. Americans, could you lose their life? Well, I'm, I'm not I'm not a public health expert, but I will tell you, I, I am somebody who places a premium on expertise modeling and all of that kind of stuff. And so, you know, whether it's 100,000 or 200,000, it's 100,000 or 200,000 more than it needed to be. And so I think if we get to that number, then we're talking the rest of the summer and the rest of the fall with these constant stories about people being sickened and dying from coronavirus. In fact, the, the earliest reports, the earliest projections I saw were about 100 to 150 million people dying, I'm sorry, getting sick, and at a 3% death rate, you know, you could be talking upwards of 200,000 people, which to me is an absolute uh, failure, and it will be the highest death rate in the, in the world if that in fact happens. Now, when you mentioned the word failure, I mean, it seems to me that you're placing uh, an incredible amount of blame on the current administration saying that some of this could have been preventable. Is that what you're saying? I'm, I'm saying that it, the, the failure in a number of ways, the first and most profound is the failure of response by the U.S. government. You know, you go back and look over the past two months, the president didn't want to issue a stay at home, national stay-at-home order saying he wanted to leave that up to the states. I think all of the public health experts will tell you that had that happened in mid to late February, we would have already been to a point where we were flattening the curve. We didn't, so that's part of it. But you know, man, the, the other failure is with people around the country who just do not take this seriously. You yeah, probably see video. You, you saw the video this past weekend of people at the the wharf here in Washington, D.C., you know, in line like it's a regular Saturday getting crabs for the cookout. And that's the other piece of it. It is still there's still too many people in this country that aren't doing what they're supposed to do in terms of social distancing, in terms of some of the other things that we know work. I want to get back to the government's responsibility because you right. mentioned something that people have been talking about, and that is 
the response rate of the administration. And you mentioned that if, in fact, we would have acted and, you know, this is what April. So I would imagine where they took what an extra two weeks. Is that what your is that what your thought process is? Those extra two weeks could have saved lives. Well, I, I, I would go back farther than that. So the coronavirus was publicly announced by the Chinese in late December. In mid-January, the president received a memo indicating that this was a serious pandemic and that it was coming to the United States. The president then proceeded over the course of the next month or so to act like it wasn't a big deal. He publicly stated that it wasn't a big deal and went to rallies saying that it wasn't a big deal. Add to that the fact that his supporters in media around the country were saying things like, oh, it's the flu, it's not a big deal, this is just a hoax. He actually used the word hoax at a rally in Michigan. And so that set a tone for government inaction and also sent a message to people around the country that broke this down on partisan grounds. Now, as you know, when you're on an airplane and you're flying from one end of the country to the other, you don't see the boundaries that separate states. You know, pandemics and public health crises don't recognize borders. So if you have people in certain parts of a state saying that this is real, this is not a big deal, then all that does is potentially jeopardize people who feel otherwise. And so it's a multifaceted failure. I, I think you're right. It is part about public responsibility, personal in terms of being respectful of others. Uh, but the tone is set from the top in all organizations Ultimately, the United States is an organization of government and of people. And when the leader says it's not a big deal or this is a hoax or, you know, this is not a big deal, it, now, it just creates more problems than it, than well, it solves. So given the fact that uh, the president has now said that he's changed his tone, as you know, over the last week, he's changed his tone. He's saying this is more serious. He's saying be prepared. This is going to be one of the biggest uh, disasters that we've seen. Do you think he now gets the sense of urgency and the seriousness of this matter? I think he is still grudgingly moving toward doing the right thing. Remember, he still hasn't called for a national uh, uh, stay-in-place order. He still hasn't announced whether or not he thinks. Well, actually, he said he doesn't think that you know people need to be wearing masks, notwithstanding the fact that the governors of California and New York and other governors are beginning to encourage their citizens to wear masks and gloves whenever they're out in public. President Trump hasn't done that. If he were to take those kinds of steps, it would send the message around the country that this is serious. And I think we'd be able to move a little quicker toward flattening the curve and getting on the other side of this. But he hasn't done it. Let's, uh, you know, give the other side. There are some that say that the when the when China announced what this was going on, they kind of under uh, represented the nature in which was taking place, and therefore it seemed to be something that could be contained uh, within China itself, which may not have been the, a bigger threat to other nations and other countries. Clearly, the United States, and given that, that's why the situation was laid out the way it was. Do you buy that? Well, listen, I have no doubt that the Chinese are probably not playing accurate with their numbers, okay? I, I concede that readily, easily, no problem at all. 
but President Trump removed the U.S. Uh, public health representative who was based in China to help work with Chinese with the Chinese government on these kinds of issues. And so we would have known then, had the numbers been more accurate, had that person still been there. But even with that, again, by about the January 15th, about the middle of the month, U.S. personnel, high-ranking people, knew that this was coming. It was beginning to spread to other countries around the world. We know that South Korea jumped on it quickly. We know that Japan jumped on it quickly. And we, we knew it was coming. All public health experts will say that. So while I, I concede that the Chinese probably downplayed it themselves, I don't, I don't think that a responsible leader would have responded the way President Trump did, given what information we did have. Now, all of the reporting I've seen suggests that he knew back in January that this could potentially be a, a real issue. But you have to remember, though, Kwame, President Trump is somebody that doesn't believe in science. Do you think it's the people that are advising the president? Or do you think it's just the president himself making a decision based on his own, I don't believe, science? I think it's a civil war inside the administration, and he sided with the anti-science people. The public health professionals told him what was going on and what was likely to happen going forward. But the others, the sort of ideological people in his, in his uh, operation, were telling him otherwise. And because he wanted to side with them, because he has... So the economic concerns, I believe he's profit over people uh, and doesn't want the economy to falter because then that jeopardizes his reelection. You know, I think he decided to line up where he did and, and he made the decision willfully and, and he thought he could downplay this and, and, and not take the steps that were necessary to uh, give the people the information they needed to have to make the decisions they needed to have to protect themselves and their families. There's some that believe that this, that you shouldn't trump states' rights and that governors and states should make decisions based on what's best for their state. Uh, do, do you buy that? So I, I, I get the states' rights argument, but again, there's certain things that, in my view, uh, transcend states' rights. So remember when that concept of states' rights was put into the Constitution, it was really about trying to protect sovereignty for states that were trying to maintain the institution of slavery. And so that has been, that has long been used as an excuse to not do certain things. So you have some states around the country, uh, and there's still, if I recall correctly, seven or eight states that to this day have not issued a stay in place order. Uh, and then they, they, they say it's about encroaching on states' rights and individual freedom. But as you know, uh, worldwide pandemics don't care about ideology. They don't care about states' rights. You know, they are, you know, these pandemics, these uh, incredible diseases uh, aren't focused on that. And so if you, you can't fight it on a state-by-state -state basis, there has to be coordinated, serious, uh, intentional national policy which is why you see state uh, countries like South Korea and even now China that have jumped on this quickly enough to at least flatten the curve and move closer to the other side of this. The United States right now leads the world in the number of corona cases, even though 
it didn't hit the U.S. shores until weeks after it first popped up in China. But is, is that a combination of poor policy and uh, the citizens of the United States not taking it as serious as they should, as we just talked about? I mean, that has to play a big role when they're asking people to stay at home and people aren't staying at home. When they're asking yeah, I think, people, I mean, yeah, when I was watching and I saw that people leaving Louisiana and now they have, you know, the police at the borderline of Texas making sure that people that come from Louisiana and is trying to get into uh, Texas that doesn't contaminate citizens of Texas. I mean, this is right. something we've never seen before. Right. right. It is something we've never seen before, and I think it's going to have long-term implications going forward. So this is going to require a rethinking of our national bureaucratic response uh, infrastructure. I think so much of it has been dis dismantled by this current administration, and so it's going to have to be rebuilt. And then it's also then state leaders are going to have to rethink this in their own uh, operations. The, the reality is if you look back over the last decade or so between Ebola, H1N1, now coronavirus, and, and some others that aren't coming to mind right now, it appears that in this highly globalized world, these kinds of things are going to happen more frequently. And we, we, need, we need more and better coordinated policy going forward. I mean, it seems to me people are on the same page now. People are talking about how many people are going to be deaf. It's the worst thing we've seen. The uh, Surgeon General, has been he's been having conversations. He's been able to speak. I don't know where he's been, but he's out now, and he's having some conversations about where we are as a country and how bad of a situation it's going to be over the next week and next week. Are you buying that? Well, I think, I think communication is critical. And so what, what I think the national government has done has begun to follow the lead that's been created by governors around the country who have said they're not going to wait on, on the president to, to, to take this seriously. So I think that the communications part is beginning to form, but we still need to see coordinated national policies. And, and you know, I think we're lacking. I think we're heading in the right direction, but I don't think we're there yet. And I just don't understand why it has to take as long as it is. Uh, and, and the only sort of point that I can come back to is we have a White House that is not yet fully bought into the notion that they're going to have to be significant steps taken to get this thing on. I mean, it seems as though they've taken some steps. You know, now they're saying, hey, we're going to need more, uh, more stimulus with like another two billion that's going to hit. Um, some say that when it comes to the economy and the effect on the economy, there's been more communication, there's been more strategy, there's been more policy discussions than it has of the public health epidemic that people were saying was going to take place early on. Are you, are you seeing that? Yeah. So, so it's interesting. Thank you for mentioning that because we're, we're about to drop, what, a total of four, Ten, five, six trillion in, well, into the economy before this is trillion. all done? Ten trillion. Ten trillion. I mean, we're at eight so, and then there'll be another two. So, so let's, let's, let's go through that a little bit. Let's say that had the president acted immediately, this would be a $2 trillion crisis, okay, or less, all right? And now we're looking at $10 trillion, millions of people losing their jobs. You know, I work in higher education, and I'm here to tell you there are going to be some colleges and universities around the country that will not be able to reopen in the fall because there are going to be so many students who decide that they can't come back because 
one or both of their parents have lost their job and can't afford to pay the tuition. So this is going to be a disaster that's going to be slow moving and, and played out over the course of months and perhaps even years. You'll recall how, how the 2008 uh, financial crisis impacted the country, and this is going to be way worse than that. And so it's just right. an example of how poor planning has broad-ranging implications. Oh, interesting. I think that we're going to see more money hit the streets. That's just me, right? They always say there was going to be four rounds of this. And they said, oh, it can't be four rounds of this. Well, right now we're on the third round, right? And if, in fact, there's some unexpected things that will take place, I think we're going to see another round of funding. Um, because if people can't go back to work, that's the same thing about a job. Right. right. Uh, we're sure that the g government buildings are going to be uh, ready to go. We're sure that some of the restaurants and bars and everything else is going to be clean. How do we verify that there's still nothing there? I mean, there's a lot of questions uh, that's going to take place as we move forward. But look, it's it's always a pleasure, uh, you know, having you talking to you on the show. I love to get you you know, on, on regularly just to talk a little bit about what's going on politically, where this administration is, but more importantly, have they changed? Have they turned a corner as it relates to where they were probably back in January and have started to take this virus and this epidemic seriously? Do you think it's a possibility next time we talk in another week or so? Because it's changed. Over the last two weeks, there's been a total different, even though the president still doesn't want to wear a mask, right? Um, Tell everyone else to wear a mask, but doesn't want to wear a so, mask. I can't get that. I, I, I think, yeah, I think if we if we get together in two weeks, we're going to revisit a lot of this because things are just things are just changing. It's and it's going to continue to change. Nobody know, knows where this is going to land, uh, but what we do know is we have some significant hardships in front of us on a sort of personal level and certainly on an economic level. And so for me, I'm I I don't like the idea of putting profit over people. I think we got to take care of the people first. And once we do that, the other stuff can, can, can be managed. You know, hopefully we can talk about something that's going to be brighter and better and something more consistent. I look forward to it. You always uh, bring clarity to uh, conversations that's needed. Just 15 days. Can everyone just take a break for 15 days? Uh, but once again, hey, it's glad to have you on. Good to hear your family's doing well. And uh, we look forward to having you back on soon. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you. All right. If it's always real talk, you know it's going to be real.